Welcome back to the Brew Theology Podcast. This is Janelle, and for today's episode, we're just having a casual conversation about what life has been like during the pandemic and how we're starting to emerge from it. If you are new to the podcast or need to get reacquainted, you can find us at www.brewtheology.org, on Facebook and Instagram at Brew Theology, and on Twitter at Brew underscore Theology. If you live in the Waco area, we are starting a brand new chapter. The next meeting is on December 2nd. If you're in Gainesville, Florida, we also have a brand new chapter and would love to get you connected. So let us know how we can help and we would love to be in touch. Here you go. Enjoy the conversation. So welcome back. Welcome back to the Brew Theology Podcast. Ryan and Janelle. That's, that's us. We are, we are the co-hosts and the co-directors of this thing called Brew Theology. This is the 173rd episode. And I'm looking right here. The last one we recorded was with Dr. Oh, Reverend Dr. Eric Smith on immigration. That was back in February, but we recorded that, I think about six months before that. Right. So we haven't really sat down to record in a long time. No, it's been a while. It's been basically, I think we may have done a few after the pandemic started, but that was it. We did one with Tad DeLay and Dan about the election and that yep. one went pretty quickly. And that was like, just like a, hey, last minute, the, the election right. coming up on thir- Tuesday. Was it a Tuesday or Thursday? We did it, I think, the Thursday before or something. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Yeah. And I think I think that one was episode, I don't know. It's back there somewhere. It's it doesn't back matter. there. But hey, if you've forgotten about us or you're new to us, here's kind of what we do and still do. And we're still trying to figure it out. But we, we continue to brew theology. And I got to give a hand to all the chapters that have been doing that and creating these interfaith communities through what I think is truly healthy and meaningful dialogue and pubs and Tallahassee and Denver and Raleigh, Durham and Jersey. Those chapters have kept going through the pandemic and other chapters have had to take some time off and they may or may not come back. But the fact that we have anybody still brewing theology and doing community is a big thing. It's awesome. And the couple chapters that are in the works, I think two or three, because yes. people want to get back and they want to, they want to do life again. <laughs> they yep. want to talk about things that matter in the flesh. We used to get together and do the podcast in the flesh, and we used to meet every Thursday. And now I'm in Wacko. <laughs> they is, that pronounce- a Warner, is that a Warner Brothers character? <laughs> they pronounce it Waco here. And if you say Wacko, they get offended. Yeah. It might be a little disturbing. <laughs> well, the only thing people knew about Waco was David Koresh. Yep. And then Baylor... But not for the like, not for the best reasons. <laughs> Those were football scandals and you know ba- basketball scandals back in the day. But now we won a national championship and we're back on the straight and narrow. There Very good. Been in years. So. And then I've heard that there's some famous restauranty thing down there now. Oh, that's that's what's put Waco on the map. Chip and Joe. Yeah. No, they're they're good people. They do a lot of good work in the community. The Gaineses. Yeah. And Caroline, my oldest, loves Fixer Upper. Has watched, I think, every episode. Oh, wow. Maybe she'll start fixing things up herself. She's got a better eye than I do. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, if you want to find us, we're online. Uh, Brutheology.org is the website. Other chapters you can find through that site on the partner thing. You can also partner with us to start your own chapter. We're at Brew underscore Theology on Twitter. Brew Theology on Facebook and Instagram. And... I've heard somebody said y'all need to start a TikTok account, but I honestly can't handle another account. And TikTok, I would get lost in TikTok. 
That that world is phenomenal, and it, and it would suck me in. It's why I don't do fantasy football. I know myself too well. Well, our uh, Tallahassee leader, Piper, is big on TikTok. He's doing deconstruction videos and talking about being a pastor's kid. So there is some brew theology presence out there, for sure. Maybe we should just tell Piper, hey, can you create us a brew theology account and do the same there? <laughs> You're pretty good at it. Yeah, she is good at it. So... Maybe she's a millennial. Is she is she a millennial or is she the digital age? Which one is she? I believe she's a young millennial. Young millennial. What's the age there? So we're Gen Xers on the on the tail end. Yeah. Millennials go from about what eighty two to let's see two thousand, and then two thousand kicks off the digital age. Nineteen eighty one to nineteen ninety six. And Gen Z starts in 1997. Oh, so Gen Z is in there too. So two, is two, 2000 is when the digital age starts? Yeah, I think so. So those guys are now 21. So they're teenagers. All right. So basically all of these college kids in this great college town of Waco, they're all digital agers. Right. Is that what they're called? So this chart I'm looking at is calling them Generation Alpha. I've never heard that before. I don't like that. No, that's kind of weird. It's, are we starting over? So after Z? I don't know. But I mean, digital doesn't, it, it goes from, you know, Gen X sounds kind of cool. Bo- Boomer, X, Z, millennial. Then millennial, what? Alpha, alpha dogs. The, I don't like know. That, that reminds me, are you a Ted Lasso fan? Because that reminds me of diamond dogs. And I think everybody in life should have a diamond dog. I don't have an Apple device. So is Apple and I don't uh, is, is Apple like a net Netflix friendly place where I could share my account with you because one of the greatest things of 2020 was Ted Lasso and it, and it continues to be Ted Lasso except for last night's episode which was or Friday's episode which was horrible because it was a throwaway episode and I know one of our oh, Denver brew theologians from back in the day Jeff Gelber would disagree with me but he and I disagree on lots of things he thought it was a good episode Ted Lasso has these these friends they're called Diamond Dogs and they're get together and they sort things out. And I think that that's what everybody needs in life. Yeah. Sounds like it looks like maybe I can subscribe to Apple TV. So I'm going to have to do this because all of you are telling me it's amazing. It's got all the feels. It's got, you know, you'll laugh, you'll cry. You'll, it's a complete show and oh. there needs to be more Ted Lasso's in the world. And he has his own mental health issues. He doesn't deal with either, which brings, I think that was helpful in 2020 to realize Ted needs help too. Even the like the kindest, most loving, optimistic guy in the world. Right. And I, that's that's a little foreshadowing because I don't mind talking about that myself. Well, it's good that it's it's being made public. I think that's important in the world that we're living in right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, why don't we talk about a little bit about your journey? Because you're about to start a new group here in Waco, and just tell them a little bit about how you got there and how's it going? How we got to Waco? Yeah. We got on a plane and our car was shipped over. <laughs> there you go. And suddenly the kid said, it's hot. It's yeah. very hot. And luckily we have a pool. And so what the, the craziest thing is we moved from urban Denver to sub, suburban Waco. And that was a huge shift. And for, for us, we, we, we knew that there would be a culture shift and it's not like we would have a culture shock. I've, I've had a culture shock before. This wasn't a shock. Having 
grew up, you know, growing up in Texas, granted, I grew up in Austin, so that's different, but I understand, I understand in Texas, the culture, politics, the theology, all the stuff that goes along with that. And there's a lot of aspects of the, of the Texas culture that I truly love. My wife, Lauren, as Janelle knows, she's uh, from Minnesota. So she's never fully been a Texas girl, even though we met here at Baylor over two decades ago. Uh, but she, she went to Texas at 16. Wow. So while she has some of those nostalgic feelings of like Texas country music and, you know, barbecue joints, it's different for a guy like me whose dad was a cattleman growing up. And, you know, I, I grew up going to sail barns and honky tonks and rodeos. And, you know, it's just that's a, that's the world that I that I grew up in and shooting skeet and fishing and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Although I don't own a gun. I'm not, I'm not a fisherman. I'm not a hunter. But I can I, I can talk and live in that world. That's not it's not like a it's not a culture shock for me. Yeah. But for somebody who's not from Texas, that would that would be big. <laughs> you know, you you drive around and you see certain flags waving around, and you're like, oh my gosh, where am I? <laughs> yeah. And you can imagine some of the flags that we that we have seen, and as we moved here, and some of the conversations that we've had to have with, or at least our oldest, about how people think and operate here. But yeah, uh, it's a no brainer. Texas is generally speaking, a lot more, let's say, right-winged than, than we are. Yeah. And some of those beliefs are clearly different. And so that's been something to kind of, it's been, it's been interesting to navigate through that and to process that world and to kind of differentiate between you know, what somebody believes and thinks and then having them be your neighbor and having them be even your friend and, and how, to, how to work through that. And, and not to, I don't know if I'm jumping into things or, or whatnot, but I, I've seen the the cancel culture of the left while living in a culture of the right and seeing that some of that stuff is, is probably pretty dangerous and toxic. The, and so I, I can now see like liberal left Denver as just as fundamental as some of the far right people and issues that are, that are going on. And yeah. granted, it's not like I'm siding with them. It's just that I, I can sense the, the feeling, the, the sentiment a little bit differently than, than if I were in Denver. Yeah. And there might be one person who voted for Trump who's a Christian. You're like, what? I can't believe you voted for Trump. Whereas here, most people claim Christ and are Christians and did vote for Trump. You know, it's just that's a different world here. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, here we are and, you know, we we live in a city that's it's more like it feels more like a small town, you know, that there's there's breweries and there's restaurants, but you're not going to get the same cuisine that you do in Denver. You're going to get good barbecue. You're going to get good Mexican hole in the wall joints. But if you really want good food, you're going to go to Austin or you're going to go to Dallas. But the the college atmosphere here is very cool. You know, we missed out on last season because everything was was still quasi shut down, at least for the athletics. But it's kind of cool to be a part of that that sports culture here and going back to football games and and then of course basketball coming up as the national champs defend their title this season. Awesome. But yeah, that's a that's one of the things I'm excited about. And tail, tailgating uh, this coming weekend, we've got Iowa State. Rob Carroll, his uh, his team's coming to town. Rob's not, but Iowa State is. And I am smoking two Boston butt pork shoulders to uh, get some pulled pork for a tailgate. You know, those kind of things are fun. That sounds awesome too. <laughs> and then it's uh, it's taken us a while to to find a church that we you know we feel like we'd be comfortable with and that would be good for our daughters and. That, that's also tricky too. As somebody who used to work in the church, I'm very picky about where I would go to church. Oh yeah. And I talked to somebody recently who said pastors that no longer work vocationally in the church 
are the hardest people to go back to church and then you know find a place of belonging. Usually sit on the back row, and which is very true. I actually sit on the back row. <laughs> <laughs> but we yeah, we go to we go to a church that feels feels very right, you know, and, and, and especially just considering some of the stuff that we value as a, as a family and that are important to us. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's hard to find anywhere, not just in a, especially in a smaller town, but I think it's a struggle anywhere you live to find a church that you can feel welcome in when you, when you emphasize valuing all people and allowing all people to be present. And yeah, so I can imagine that's been, been a little bit of work, especially in the middle of COVID. Oh, absolutely. And it would be a lot easier if we would pick churches that, that are literally like right across the street from our, our house that had been open with no masks the entire time. And, and everybody, Ooh. yeah. So, so the church that we're now going to, they didn't have in-person services until this summer and they still require masks, which is great. But it, it took, since it was all online, that was really difficult to feel like you were engaged at all, especially since you're new. But it would have been easy just to go to a different kind of church that was in our area that was big and that had good, you know, big programs and all that stuff. And I've even had a conversation with our oldest and we have a lot of people that we know that go to a certain church next to us and it's it's got all the bells and whistles and they, you know, their website's super charming and the people there probably greet you with a big smile, big old Texas smile. And so she she has asked why you know, why don't we go there? Or are we going to go there? Or are we going to go you know, anywhere else? And I, and I have said, and I tried not to make it about those kinds of churches. I, right. I, say, I said, well, let me tell you what we're looking for. And so then I began to talk about, you know, mom and I b- believe that, that no matter what you believe and think and feel and, and how you identify yourself as, that you should be welcome. And um, that journey, that spiritual journey shouldn't be, you know, a guilt trip or a, a, you shouldn't be somebody who's targeted to jump through some hoops and then, you know, it's like some churches say, we love you, but we have a plan for your life. And so I said, you know, we're, look- we're looking for a place that truly just affirms you as, as a human and loves you as that. And then comes alongside of you in whatever journey that is. And whether you're a male or you're a female, personal color, white, uh, straight or gay. And, you know, Caroline's very much aware of these things because we talk about it openly in our house. And I said, now, if we took you to a church where that, that they don't have those values, I said, I, I don't think that that would be fair to them or, or to us. I said, we'd probably be a problem there. <laughs> yeah. So I try try to make the conversation, you know, about about what we're for, whether rather than what we're against, because what what you're against is that also can get pretty messy and ugly. Yeah, and I think I think that that ethos of what we're for is part of brew theology and what we do. That we're trying to make space at the table for everybody to have those open conversations, and that's what I'm seeing as we're returning back to in person. We've got new people joining us in Denver that are looking for those kind of spaces that they want to feel comfortable to question and, and wonder and wrestle with things and not feel judged because they're on, you know, a different journey than maybe what they, we were raised in. And I think that's, that's the beauty of what we're trying to offer is that space to, to be honest and ask honest questions and, you know, wrestle with that stuff so that we can find ways to live and walk through the world that are that are positive and good and nurturing and helpful yeah one of the things that you've always you know talked about because we do have churches that that use our curriculum for their some of their small groups is that this is not a bait and switch this isn't to get them to join team a 
to join, you know, this, this mega church down the street or whatever. And, and I, I think that one of the surprising elements of so many people throughout the years of brew theology, speaking from the Denver community is they come in after a couple of weeks and they're really surprised that, Oh, nobody here actually has an agenda for my life. I can be friends with these people. I can ask questions. I can engage in this content. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if I, if I, you know, sign any kind of dotted line faith statement or a creedal, you know, if I have some creedal assent to some higher power or whatnot. And that's really refreshing for so many people. And especially people who have, have been wounded by the church and, or just came to a place where they, I don't know, they had some life experience, they read some books and they're like, man, I no longer believe these things to be true. And there's not many safe places for people like that in, in religious worlds. And it's not just within Christianity. I would say every religion has has those elements of, of scary fundamentalism, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, brute theology is, I would never say it's spiritual, but not religious or religious, but not spiritual, but maybe a little bit of everything. You know, there is order. So there's, there's religion there. It's very spiritual, but it's not, people don't get hung up on the bad parts of religion. And that's, yeah, that, that's one of the, the values I, it's tough to have that value at this age in life when we should be, well, the society tells us we should be settled. You should have a plan for your family and it should look, you know, very comfortable. And so it's hard for people to escape those worlds or to feel like they, they can even begin that journey and that process. So, it, so it's not surprising to me that we have just a lot of people out there that just go through the motions and then, they, and then they double down on these beliefs that they've never really been allowed to, to ask further questions on, you know? Yeah. It's, it's frightening. Yeah. So we're a, tri- we're a tribe of people that lost their tribe. It's, and it's okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think we're, I think there's space for this, especially now as a lot of people have kind of, you know, been disconnected from their communities, been disconnected from the rhythms and the rituals that they're used to. And, you know, maybe they're asking new questions or maybe someone listening is asking new questions. That's what we're here for. And we're not a replacement for church or anything like that. We're just another venue where if you want to talk about those things, you're welcome here. We know that the pandemic has changed a lot of things about all of our lives. And we're trying to just be who we were beforehand, but also if you're you're questioning and wondering and trying to wrestle through, like we're here to walk with you through that. Yeah. I'm curious with our, the last year, has it been a year and a half? Yeah. It's, hard, it's always hard to tell like what day is it? What day of the week is it? Are we still <laughs> yeah. living through this? Is there, a, is there a new variant yet? The answer is yes. Yes, yeah. there always will be. <laughs> uh, yeah. So our, our world, it's kind of, it's kind of like post 9-11 and now post 2020 it'll it'll never be the same like we're we're going to be now be living with a a very different way of thinking and i mean even like so if we thought that like the post truth era was surging when you know when trump was in his presidency imagine what it's you know what it's continuing to look, going to look like now after after all of yeah. this uh, i've never seen this many conspiracy theories under the sun so many. I've never seen so many people kind of expound on their own truth and their own research that they decided to do online and this and that. So navigating your your spiritual life in this era is going to be even more difficult because people are going to be so suspect of, I mean, if, if they're, if they're, they're so suspect of like physicians and you know, yeah. if, if we're now in a place where people are doubting the medical science world, you know what I mean? I mean, ch- church, spirituality, like that's, it's, I think it's going to be incredibly difficult. 
But, yeah. Which gives me a little bit of hope because at least, you know, brewing theology in that setting, it's actually very postmodern. And I, I love and hate that, that word and laugh at that because it, it's, it's still very frightening. Like, isn't there truth? There should be truth out there. But in some ways, um, yeah, I don't know. We, we, live in, we live in a post-truth world. So there's pros and cons to that for sure. But I think at least in what we're doing, you, you can come and, you know, be, be a part of that post-truth world here. <laughs> yeah. And I think what's so funny about that for me is just the culture you and I were raised in in our college years was like, we're doing all this apologetics work to avoid relativism. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like often that that has just absorbed this segment of the church, that it's just all about what I believe or what I think is right or you know, what I want to believe. And I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ever going to understand how we went from warning ourselves against that to now being purveyors of that in the church. I don't understand. So the difference with brew theology is that we're not claiming, we're not claiming anything specific because we want people to walk through that and wrestle with it and, and work on it. But we also like in our guidelines, you know, don't be a jerk, don't soapbox, listen to each other, try to be there for each other in the midst of those discussions. And that piece is something that's definitely missing in part of our culture right now. Yeah. yeah. Everybody claims to be the arbiter of truth or at least have assigned somebody else as that arbiter of truth. And we, we've forgotten the art of critical thinking and asking the important questions and then trusting the sources that have actually done some of the serious work, but also, you know, how, how do you have those respectful conversations? I, I want to say I, on one hand, I go, I've lost hope in humanity as, as an optimist at, yeah. after watching 2020 happen. And in the same breath, I say, no, Ryan, you have to, <laughs> you know, that's not who you are and what you believe. So I'm, I'm fighting that internal battle on myself. It's a, it's a paradox, if you will, even within the tension within my own bones. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and, and especially in light of people that you, I'm, n- I'm not going to throw out names, but that we know and truly know, and we seem to be on completely different, you know, almost worldviews. I know there's mm-hmm. a difference between worldview and ideology, but I'm just going to stick a worldview for some simplicity right now. It seems like diff- completely different worldviews. Yeah. Um, so if your worldview is flipped upside down like me and you are living in a paradox, then yeah, brew <laughs> some theology, have some fun with it. Definitely. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. So in you know in your year, you have been extremely careful, and you followed CDC guidelines, and you've been wearing masks and making masks, and and a big advocate of science and the research that's out there and pushing that online. How has this shaped your own spiritual journey and your own communal spiritual journey as well as somebody who's had to stay inside? Yeah, it's it's been hard. Um, I think. There, there is nothing that replaces being in person. And that first time that we met for Brew Theology this spring was kind of, it was this weird, jarring, like, oh, these are all the people that I've known, but like 18 months or a year has passed and I haven't seen them. And it's this weird, um, this just strange space of like your, your brain knows you haven't seen them in a while, but yet they're standing right in front of you just like they used to. It's very weird. But, you know, I have to say that the the group of brew theologians that kept meeting online really were my, you know, my weekly touch point with other people. 
Um, I'm involved in some other groups where I'm doing um, some climate work and stuff. So we would meet on Zoom, you know, once or twice a month. But really, brew theology was was my touch point through all of that because we were present and and working through that and talking and yeah, it's it's kind of funny. We as you you know, we hadn't been to church in a while before the pandemic, and we were just getting ready to start looking again here in Denver. And then it hit. And so that really for us uh, is on hold because it's just not safe enough yet for us to go out. So I'm on the immunosuppressant. I have to be super careful. And, you know, those people um, are in your life. They're all around you. 60 million Americans are immunosuppressed. That's not a small number. You know someone that is struggling with what is safe and what isn't safe and when do I go out and how do I do that? That's someone you know. And so it's been really, it's been weird. I don't know what else to say. Uh, we didn't see my parents for over a year. Um, we don't know when we'll see my husband's dad because uh, he's across the country and there's really no safe way to get there yet. So it's a ongoing journey. And I think what, unfortunately, with so much non-compliance, it'll start to become making choices about what risks are we willing to take. And that's, that sucks. Cause I, I don't think it had to be this way. One of the, one of the numbers that I heard the other day, and I'm, I'm going to say as somebody that doesn't know if this is true or not, but it came from a source that I view as credible said that one, one out of every 500 Americans has died of COVID. Mm-hmm. One out of five hundred. That that was pretty mind blowing. Did you did you see this? You hear this? I did. Yeah. I mean, honest. Bear and I kind of have sat down and and counted, and we know at least five people that have died. We know multiple people that were on ventilators that have survived, but have ongoing issues with it. And at that time, that stat came out. I knew two people that were currently fighting off COVID. So. It it is interesting though, as we as we've talked internally as a family, there are groups of people that don't seem to have quite as quite as much exposure to it. And so, I mean, you may not know anyone that's died, but for every person that doesn't know someone that's died, like that means someone else knows multiple people that have died. And um, it's really it's sad and it's it's scary. Yeah, it is. And- Maybe we can talk a little bit about mental health. And and I know this is something that's important to you and is becoming increasingly more important in the conversations around the country. I'm happy that people are talking about it. Yeah. Well, one of the big conversations we had at the end of the season, so in in, uh, June, was we talked about different words that were being thrown around for what it what the mental kind of game is right now, what it feels like. And and an article had come out, maybe some of you have read it in the New York Times about languishing. And so many people resonated with this word. It's not depression. It's it's just this sense of like almost blah. You know, I'm living life and I'm doing the things, but like we're we're feeling kind of stuck at the same time. Yeah. And I think that there are a lot of people that have been feeling that and since that was written, I know a lot of people, at least around me, were extremely exhausted by the end of June 
And then I know it, I mean, almost everyone I know, it feels like in July kind of checked out, whether they were literally going on vacation or just kind of stepping back from things. Um, July, it was almost impossible to communicate with people. And so I think people are feeling it. They're tired. Um, we've been at this a long time and there's, there's no end in sight. I mean, yeah. for people that are ignoring it, sure, I guess they feel normal, but I, I, my hunch is that they don't feel deep down. They don't feel normal either. Yeah, it's it's almost like when you you know you're you're traveling on, on an airplane, and regardless of what time you get up, that that has that's irrelevant. But in an airplane for a couple of hours, and you get off, and no matter who you are, you're typically exhausted. Yeah, like, I didn't do anything. I was just sitting on some airplane, but that airplane was flying, you know, <laughs> <laughs> some crazy speed. And so it's it's almost like we're stuck in these you know these airplanes in in some ways. Like I've just been literally in my house or I haven't done anything. People have been in front of these computer screens and yet they're just exhausted and wiped out. Yeah. And I mean, as, as an extrovert, it it was super hard for me, you know, and especially moving away from the people that I love in, in Denver and the place that we called home and coming to Waco, a place that, you know, we want it to be home, but it, but it wasn't home and it's still, it's still not home the way that Denver, Denver was home. But we, you know, we moved here in like the worst time ever. Yeah. And I, I had my own physical ailments and some know and some don't, but I was dealing with some back issues and still have that. And it's just like, oh my goodness. Like I, um, I finally started to realize I have my own issues and I started seeing a counselor and started yeah. taking, taking some, some antidepressants for the first time ever. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? I told, I told Janelle, she knows this. I had my first panic attack and like what? What in the world? Am I having a heart attack? Am I dying? And yep. sure enough, my doctor said that's panic attack. It's like, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm not allowed to have those. I'm, you know, Ryan Miller. I'm positive and optimistic and <laughs> encouraging, and you know. But I found myself like I was tired a lot. I was depressed a lot. I was um, yelling at my kids way more than I, you know, anybody. Nobody wants to yell at their kids, but it happens. So, you know, what, what is this? Why? And I had, I had somebody in my life tell me this was probably in March of this past year. Like, and I could see it in my, if I look back at pictures, I could see it in my eyes. And they had said that like, I kind of lost some light and I was offended by that, but it was somebody that loved me. Yeah. And that's when I began to realize I needed to get some, you know, some, some help myself. But yeah, I, I was in a total block. And of course I have other friends that were like, you need to have grace. I had so many, you know, so, some of my buddies that I've known my whole life were like, dude, have grace, have, have, have grace on yourself. You've been going through a lot. And, you know, and my wife was very supportive, but I'm like, man, if, if I'm going through this and I've, I've got a pretty good life, I'm, and I'll admit it, I, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be whining at all. Like I got two amazing kids, beautiful, smart wife, like the whole, we're fine. We're not, we're not in trouble. And, and if that's happening to me, what, you know, what, what's happening to the rest of the country and the world around us, you know? Right. So it's given me a lot more grace and mercy for others, but I had to have it for myself too. And I had to realize mm-hmm. I needed some help. Well, and I think it's just so important to share this because it's, we are not living through something normal. Like this, this is, these are unprecedented days. When we look back on history, flags of this scale are life-changing events. And for us in America, our life may be changing differently than it would have a hundred years ago, but, but living with the constant reality of I could get sick or someone I know could get sick or someone that's uh, parents could die from this. I mean, no, we, you don't even have to think about it all the time for it to still be in your brain and your brain is going, this is really scary. 
Um, this is really unnerving. And so I think it's really important to just honor that. Like if whatever we're experiencing, I've, I've definitely had a panic attack or two during this and have been struggling with, um, I think for me, I think the anxiety has been up front more and we have to, to work on it. And, and, you know, if you're feeling those things and you're hearing this, like you're, you're normal, this is happening. This is, it is the stress that our bodies are under. And as it continues, what I'm reading is that this is even, I mean, honestly, it's even more normal. Like if we're 18 months in, like we, we aren't meant to run at this constant state of stress for that long. And our bodies aren't used to that. And so, you know, reach out for those things, reach out to people, you know, get a counselor if you need one, take medicine if you need it. None of these things are failures of character or they're not. I mean, I think that what's tough about this, Ryan, is all the baggage around getting this kind of help, especially for those of us leaving evangelicalism, um, that this is sinful, that this is some sort of flaw, that it's some sort of hidden sin. That is controlling BS. We're living through a global pandemic. Yep. We all need help getting through this. And then you you throw on top of that the you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps, yep. get over it, you know wipe off the wipe off the dirt. You know, just come on, come on, let's get cowboy up. Whatever it is, it's it's very difficult. And, you know, a lot of men out there, specifically in in the Western world, were never allowed to admit that that they had any kind of feelings, and so much less depression and anxiety. Right. So I I don't know who has it worse at that department. Uh, everybody has it pretty bad. But you know, if you're if you're a, a man who grew up in the evangelical world, especially if you're a, a straight white man, like you're supposed to have it all together. But I you know no no you're not no you're not. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Maybe maybe hug it out. You know it's okay. You can hug somebody. Wear a mask, but hug somebody. Yes, <laughs> wear a mask. <laughs> it's tough, whatever you got to do. But whatever you got to do. That's also, I think that's also been a part of this is the, the lack of physical touch. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not a huge hugger, but I, but I do like to hug people. And I think, we're, you know, and they, there have been studies on this, you know, even in your own family, making sure you hug people in your own family. Right. That is a big part of, of someone's mental health. And, so, well, yeah, hang in there, folks. Um, yeah, don't just yeah, don't do it. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. And there's plenty of resources out there for sure. I know Jan- Janelle is the resource guru, so you can always reach out to Janelle on on yeah. resources out there. Um, and we and can then, point you in a direction for sure. <laughs> and if drinking beer is not good for your mental mental health, I apologize that we post pictures of beer. <laughs> it's very tempting when you see that. Uh, I did get to go on a field trip the other day and I went around to the Waco breweries, all five of them, and I picked up beer to go and I did some you know, little easy video montage comp- compilation and on, on my, my iPhone and it was a lot of fun. So I really look forward to going back to those places and, and brewing some theology in those breweries. That's but, awesome. Yeah, and did, I remember, you, like, did you say five breweries or 50? Five. Five. So it's not like Denver. <laughs> no, there are, there are only five breweries here. <laughs> now, one of them, Janelle, you would really like. It's a distilling company that brews beer as well. Okay. We've got a really swanky, cool little bar upstairs that, yeah, serves they serve cocktails and their craft beer. Nice. nice. Fun little fun little spot. Yeah. But it's, what's funny is like there's a couple places like that in Waco. There's another cocktail lounge, but they're now this one place that I went to Bal- Balcones. They they were pretty packed in there. But this other place that I've gone to in Waco, like a cocktail lounge. 
totally empty on a Friday and Saturday night. Whereas if it were Denver, place yeah. would be packed. It would be so, standing room only. Yeah, Waco is more of a, yeah, it's definitely more of a, not craft beer, but just beer, hangout, backyard barbecue kind of a place. But craft, the craft beer scene is, is picking up here. Cool. Yes, that is very cool. And, and here's a, a thought that I have, and it just hit me today. And you can tell me that's a crazy idea, Ryan. But leading up to, to doing this soft launch that we're going to do this fall, five Thursdays in a row, I'll call it Thirsty, Thirsty Thursdays. I don't know, something like that. And I will be there with maybe this Miller's Smokehouse hat on. So people recognize Miller, Miller's Smokehouse, easy. And the first person who comes to the table, I'll buy their beer. And it's just, oh. to, just to kind of get to know people who want to come and, and hang out. Anyway, just, just a fun. And so we tour all the breweries, all five of them leading up to the first one. That what sounds perfect. I okay. love that idea. I mean, I feel like there's all kinds of wins there, even if, even if only one person shows up. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think you'll get more than one person. I really do. So, I think so. It, it's, it's been fun. I've you know, put feelers out on, on next door which you told me was pretty risky, but I've gotten personal emails after, after having done that, you know, put stuff on Facebook and, and Instagram. And I've, I've slowly been getting followers and people messaging me on the side. And I have three meetings coming up with three different people just to, that want to talk about it. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. There you go. Just, just after what, when did I put this out there last Thursday or something? Yeah. Today, Monday. So just saying, you know, matter, matter about four or five days I've had, Lots of people message me about this, and I've already set up meetings. So I think all, all we, I mean, and I will say, if you want to start a community as well, we have. Well, I, I can help you with what that looks like because I like to start things. But you need at least three or four people because you cannot moderate all those people yourself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that helps. And we're gonna um, actually uh, Piper, who leads our Tallahassee group, got asked to speak on digital community building. And so she's going to talk about TikTok and she asked me to come. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Meetup and how that's been part of our, you know, way of building platform here too. So does Meetup work in Waco? Are people on it? Uh, we will see. I, I just opened up an account on Friday. Oh, cool. It was, it was approved on Saturday. And I just started to release that on our social media handle. So Waco, we are Waco Brew Theology, Facebook, Instagram, and Waco Brew on Twitter. And then if you go to Meetup, just look up Waco Brew Theology. Sweet. On the Meetup. Let me see. Where's my Meetup page? Uh, it's somewhere in here. Okay. There it is. How many people we got? Oh, 11 members. There within, you go. Within the weekend. Well, that's a good start for three days. Yeah, just a few days. So but let's see. What did I put on here for... Because oh, you can do related topics and tag things. That's how people find you know, a specific group on Meetup. Yeah. But yeah, I've got like interfaith and intercultural dialogue. That's an actual tag. Did you know that? Nice. I did not. Christian theology, spiritualism, community, religion, interfaith. Yeah, there's, they're all in there. Cool. Yeah, a, and then I, I think I copy and pasted the diverse thing. And then I added a couple more words on there for Waco. Awesome. So exciting. Well, yeah. It is exciting. Yeah. And I, I need some advice too. And this, this might just come organically from the community, but I need to probably talk to Piper in Tallahassee, maybe Brian, um, Brittany over there, uh, sorry, Bridget over in uh, Raleigh-Durham just to see because of some of these more cons conservative towns, like what is the low hanging fruit to start off? Because I don't want to start <laughs> off with talking about 
uh, pluralism or right. <laughs> you know, like that's that's probably not going to go over very well. The first gathering, um, maybe something on just basic. Well, theodicy could be pretty big. Interesting. Everybody likes to talk about theodicy. We're actually going to do free will and determinism again this week in yeah. Denver. I think that's that's a, that's a fun that's one. A pretty easy one. I mean, I say easy. It, it, it gets to be divisive, but I think people like to talk about it. Yeah, I do. I think so. Maybe okay. attribute, attributes of God. That could be good. Oh, easy. that's a good one. I use that as a sample whenever we go somewhere. You know, God, God, God is or God isn't. And then you kind of list the things and you spend like 15 minutes per, per yep. section. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I got to do, I got to do something. We'll, uh, maybe I'll put a vote out there on the leadership network and ask you guys what y'all think. Yeah, that would be great. And then next time we go to Wild Goose Festival, we'll have Denver and Waco and Raleigh all around the table. That'll be awesome. Very cool. Maybe so. we can get... Maybe we can get uh, Jacksonville and Tallahassee up there too. Yeah, it'd be it's pretty cool. So we'll get those Jersey guys down. Maybe Nate Nate spends a lot of his time in Canada these days. Well, maybe he'll start a Montreal branch. That would be awesome. Nate, if you're listening, are you moving to Canada or are you going to stay in Jersey? Ooh, Ooh big question. <laughs> the world wants to know, man. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, anything you're reading these days? Uh, I I was. I've got a little bit left of the making of biblical womanhood and uh, about halfway through Jesus and John Wayne, which I saw Ryan here is going to start reading. We probably need to do a uh, little thing on that because it's man, it's brutal guys. If you Mm -hmm. haven't read these, uh, they're, they're pointing out some pretty big uh, issues in evangelical culture. It's really interesting reading. Yeah. I'm going to start the Jesus and John Wayne probably this week. Yeah, I'm currently I'm I'm doing one of uh, Trip Fuller out of Homebrews his current podcast series. It's a class on with Diana Butler Bass and Brian McLaren. Yeah, it's twenty years after nine eleven. That's been really interesting, especially if you like uh, Diane as a historian, and then Brian McLaren. You know, he comes in with his wealth of knowledge and pastoral wisdom, and then Trip as well as if you've ever heard Trip before. Trip Trip is a, a, a man. Of, just a few words, maybe a just few. a few. Just a yeah, but it's, it, that's been a fun. I, I feel like when I do podcasts, it's almost as if I'm reading. I go, well, that's the book I'm reading right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm in the totally. middle of that. Uh, and it took me forever. And I don't know why. Uh, but I'm finally finishing up Rob Bell's latest book. And yeah, that's just that's just something kind of fun on the side. I, I always like his work. Did he have any anything particular about pandemic life or anything or reflections on i think this was published before pandemic beforehand yeah but his his podcast he's done a lot on the pandemic okay one of of his last ones was called fauci something fauci and he starts off by talking about how he came across this sign that said fire fauci so he kind of wrestles with that and right back and forth so yeah that's that's on the rob cast if you're if you're a rob bell fan at all but there's so many good podcasts out there people putting putting out some good work during this time yeah definitely yeah and they missed us at wild goose they really wanted us to be there to be in the podcast tent and we were like well that's probably not going to happen so but uh, (laughs) if you go to the wild goose festival website you can hear some of the other people that usually are presenting there and can maybe discover something that you like alongside of listening to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're new to this podcast, there's 173 episodes before this one. My favorites are always with Pam. So go check out Pam Eisenbaum. 
<laughs> yep, we should have Pam on again, definitely. I think she. I want to do well. With she and Mark together. I just wonder how that would work on a Zoom deal. I would. I think it'd be okay. Well, if you out there listening have someone you would like us to try to get to talk to on the podcast, uh, let us know. Uh, we've got a little flexibility these days where we might be able to record at you know different times of day and days of the week. So, if there's someone you'd love to have us talk to, let us know, and we'll we'll also try to reach out to some of our friends and get them on and have some chats about life in this. I don't know what we call this age, pandemic era. That doesn't yeah. sound very inspiring. No, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, and if you have a special guest from the past that you know we could probably easily just call up, email, and, and chat with, we'd love what your thoughts are out there and bring them back. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right, everybody. Well, make sure you share this online and like us and love us and follow us and all those other things. Yeah, we'll bring you new episodes here soon. So good to talk to you all again. Thank you so much for listening to the Brew Theology Podcast. If you need to find us, you can find us at brewtheology.org, on Facebook and Instagram at Brew Theology, and on Twitter at Brew underscore Theology. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.